Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Borussia Dortmund have won the European Cup Winners' Cup. You can feel the passion, the emotion. And Dortmund against all the odds are European champions. Hey BBB fans, welcome to Believe in Borussia episode number 30. My name is Tilo. welcome everybody and a big shout out to Sean for his nice review on Apple Podcast. Really appreciate it and if you want to leave one, you're more than welcome to help us gain some of that visibility, share with more fans. So drop us a note if you like it and if you have some things we can improve on, then drop that in there as well. I hope you liked our last episode, our special interview with Suresh Lechmanan, who is the managing director for Borussia Dortmund in Asia Pacific. I found it fascinating, but in case you were wondering what happens with Borussia Dortmund history, well, we will pick that up today and go into the years 1920 to 1929, and we'll look at the first third of the season. Our show is presented by the good folks over at Bet Online, so you should head on over to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code BELIEVE50, that's B L E A V 50, to receive your bonus. We are more than a third through the season. The last international break of the year is behind us, so it's a great point to look where Dortmund stands and if you were listening and looking around during the international break you got the feeling that things weren't going so well there was obviously the injuries points dropped the Champions League dropping question about the lineups brought up for example by players so things didn't sound so peachy but if you look a little closer it's actually not that bad so let's look at the competitions where we stand and what we have ahead of us Let's start with the Champions League. Now, the overwhelming feeling thinking of the Champions League right now is probably not great euphoria. There was that very, very bad 4-0 loss away to Ajax Amsterdam and then another loss at home, albeit under different circumstances. Considering that Dortmund wasn't able to rectify the first result, even though they played better, but still came away with the loss, probably leaves a bitter taste in everybody's mouth but again if you look a little closer yeah first place is probably gone but really all that matters is advancing to the KO rounds and that still looks more than feasible to advance into the knockout stages Dortmund needs a win in Lisbon or if that game is a tie game a home win against last place Besiktas so with a tie Dortmund against Lisbon, Dortmund would win the head-to-head and imagine this would be a duo die or knockout round tie. 
that wouldn't be an ass that anybody would be afraid of. Even in the tense situation we are in right now, I think people would still like the chances of Dortmund going to Lisbon and getting a result or then at least winning against Bajiktas at home if it's a tie and not a win. And even if Dortmund loses in Lisbon with the help of Ajax Amsterdam, it's still possible to come in second. So lots of options to get into the KO round. And then I think the deck will be reshuffled, hopefully when a lot of the injured players will come back. So there have been some ups and downs clearly and some pretty bad downs. But at the end of the day, the damage isn't that severe. As long as Dortmund gets out of the group into the Champions League into knockout rounds, anything can really happen. And then you look at the league and it is wide open. And it's not just that Dortmund is a point behind Bayern. It's everybody else as well. And you don't have to look any further than third-placed Freiburg, who, apart from being a really good team, also show that all the other supposedly good teams in the league have been dropping points, including Dortmund, of course. How could this happen to me? I made my mistakes. Maybe it's a little bit of a solace that we lost to that Freiburg team away, which is a decent squad. Unfortunately, they weren't able to steal any points from Bayern away, which probably would be a bit of a stretch to ask of them. But at the end of the day, the league is super balanced. It's just that people are so used to Bayern winning it by now that even if Bayern would be six points behind first right now, most would probably still pick them to win it all because that's what winning it nine times in a row does. It just feels inevitable, but it's not. It's actually wide open. Look at the results. It's super unpredictable. I don't think the Bundesliga has been this competitive in a long, long time. You see Gladbach trash Bayern, trash them in the cup, and then lose to a side like Hertha. And Frankfurt, same thing. They look competitive against Bayern. They beat them, but then they draw points against all the minnows. Outside of Fürth, who are flirting with breaking the all-time worst record from Tasmania Berlin and look like a lock to get straight relegation into the second division. Well, outside of that, it looks very, very open and competitive. And yes, people may not recognize it because they're thinking, you know what, Bayern is still going to win. They always win. The truth is, everything will come to an end eventually and you don't have to look any further. But Barcelona or Juventus Turin, who also won nine times in a row and now are stuck in the mid-table in Spain or Italy, respectively. And in particular in Italy, people had the same feeling, like when is anyone ever going to step up again and beat Juventus? They are light years ahead financially and infrastructure-wise. Then they had Ronaldo and, 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 and. And now, not so sexy anymore. So yeah, in the Bundesliga, outside of Fürth and maybe Bielefeld, It's been very streaky. Wolfsburg started with four straight victories, including a win over Leipzig, and then completely blew it. Then Leverkusen looked really hot, and then they got their you know regular beating from Bayern, and ever since then, they can't put a foot on the ground anymore. So it's been quite unpredictable in the league, and it's been unpredictable in the cup as well, if you again consider how Gladbach demolished Bayern in the second round and kicked them out of the competition again. 
So that leaves the door wide open for, of course, also the defending German Cup champions Borussia Dortmund, who will face second division FC St. Pauli, which is a strong home team. And it's a winter game. It's played in January, I think, 17, 18, something like that. And San Pauli, they're just one of those teams that, you know, can bring that occasional upset. And I think they're, I hate to say it, ripe for an upset again, or at least dishing one out. For example, 20 years ago, they beat the reigning Champions League and World Club champs Bayern in a very muddy, I think, January or February affair at home in the Bundesliga, despite being pretty terrible at that year and also being relegated again, they squeaked out a win against Bayern, which basically made their season. And they just have that toxic cocktail for visiting teams of, you know, a great atmosphere and just a belief in the energy around the club that can really elevate them in these type of games. So Borussia should be warned and on the lookout. I think it's going to be a good game. And I'm going to talk about it a little more once it's closer. We'll definitely get some more insights on it. But San Pauli is no joke. They are fighting for the top spot in the second division right now and beating out momentarily teams like Hamburg, their city rivals, Bremen, Schalke, Nuremberg. So definitely a team to take serious. But if you want to win the cup, then you obviously need to win against a lower league team, no doubt about it. And again, to be fair, if you look at the situation, a clear path into the KO round, which is still in Dortmund's hand, a third round cup draw against the second division team and a still pretty open league, things could be worse. Especially if you consider the long list of injuries. The motto for the next week just has to be get people back in the team, gather points, gather victories, don't get any more injuries. People are saying, oh, Borussia, they're nothing without Haaland. But what about without Haaland, Guerrero, Dahoud, Emre Can, Reyna? Those are all key players for Dortmund. And then you also are missing Wolf, Schulz, Paslak, Schmelzer, Mukuku, Morey. Hazard has only been back for a couple of weeks and could probably use a little extra rest as well. Hummels, Kobel, Meunier, they've all been playing injured and bruised up. So it's been a bit of a crap show, to be honest. And considering that list, and hopefully we'll get shorter soon, where Borussia Dortmund is right now, with pretty much still all possibilities ahead, is not bad. Again, the biggest challenge until the arrival of the new year will be to just find 11 adequate players, don't get any more injuries and scrap together as many Ws as possible in the league, qualify for the knockout rounds of the Champions League, and then the cup is in January, so we don't even have to worry about that. And now it is time to look at Borussia Dortmund's history again. After the years 1900 to 1909, the founding year and the first decade of the club we will today look into the Roaring Twenties, another tumultuous decade in the young club's history. So sit back, listen and enjoy and if you missed the first two decades, check out episode 27 and episode 28 
to catch up on the 1900s and the 1910s and now on to the 1920s. In 1920, soccer was still a young game in Germany. The organization was interrupted by World War I and the league play was still far from fully baked. New divisions were added to the league pyramid around the land to accommodate more clubs, restructure soccer and get the ball rolling again. When in 1919-1920 the first Bezugsklasse was added to the West German soccer pyramid, Borussia Dortmund found itself all of a sudden in the second division. Of course the club wanted to play in the first division again, get back to where they were just before the outbreak of the First World War and compete with the very best. However, Borussia got close, but not close enough. They were third that season and in the following season, 1920-21, they were even closer when the season culminated in a do-or-die promotion playoff game after they finished second in the first Kreisklasse, below the Bezirksklasse. In the next years, Borussia tried to ascend, but without the ultimate success. There likely was a sense around the club that a change was needed to tip the scales in favor of Borussia, so longtime president Franz Jacobi made way for a new president in 1923. The man who was so passionate about the club that he punched a clergyman in the face and steered Borussia and its members and stakeholders through the horrors of World War I, the author of the club's first charter stepped down at top of the club. Nevertheless, Franz Jacobi stayed loyal to Borussia Dortmund throughout his life, giving counsel, helping out where he could, and supporting the club that he founded for a sport that he loved. Jacobi's successor, Heinz Schwaben, the director of Dortmund's famed union brewery, was up next. And you've likely seen the building with the large U for the Union Brewery on top with the animated windows and like Borussia Dortmund promo clips on YouTube and Facebook and social media and so. The Union Brewery was big business and was growing great back then. They produced the internationally coveted Dortmunder export and they were strong in the domestic market. So Schwaben came with the necessary connections and the deep pockets needed to turn Borussia Dortmund into a top-division team. And to be a top-division team, Borussia Dortmund needed a proper stadium. It was absolutely crucial to improve the infrastructure for the development of the club. Since the amateur statutes prohibited the club to pay players, improving the playing conditions was a way to raise the reputation of the club and attract talent And lastly, the West German Soccer Association made demands in regards to the playground to play in the Bezugsklasse, similar as today, as if you want to play in the first division, you need to have a stadium with you know, enough capacity, VIP lounges, boxes, uh, media capacities, and all that stuff. Wasn't different in 1920, probably on a much lower scale, but Borussia Dortmund at this point were literally playing on a meadow. Even in 1920, that wasn't even close to good enough. And Borussia Dortmund wanted to play in the top division again. So Schwaben and the lads, they went to work. 
Long before Union Berlin made headlines for having their stadium rebuilt by fans, Borussia Dortmund members went door-to-door in the neighborhood, raising funds around the Borsigplatz, selling bonds, scoring materials and volunteering thousands of labor hours to turn a literal meadow into an adequate sporting ground. Starting in the summer of 1924, the members built a six-feet wall around the ground, changing room, a box office, and erected elevated banks of earth around the pitch for spectators to stand on. And after it was all said and done, Borussia's new home could hold up to 18,000 fans. So in only 15 years, Borussia went from having to bring and remove goalposts from the public pitch that was called the White Meadow because the pollen from the adjacent poplar trees would turn the pitch white, to having its very own sporting ground. And on August 14, 1924, the mayor of Dortmund finally officially handed over the keys to the Borussia Sportplatz, loosely translated the Borussia Sportpark. So now, only the team needed to match its new first-class facility. And the team finished first in the Kreisklasse during the first season at their new home and got promoted to now the second Bezirksklasse. So they were still in second division despite winning a league. It was just a bit different back then. Let's just say the you know, leagues were in more fluctuation. That's where it seems they were adding leagues like every other year. But yeah, you know, you had to deal with a new order. Um, and for the sport itself, it was probably a good problem to have because it meant that more and more teams were competing and coming in. But for the clubs, it obviously became tougher to climb to the top of their respective leagues and ascend into the first division. But the following year, in 1925-26, BVB finished second in the Bezirksklasse and finally won promotion again to the top division. Seven years after getting bumped down by the expanding lead system, Borussia Dortmund was a top league club again, playing in its self-built Borussia Sportplatz. Sounds too good to be true? Well, it didn't hold, because the club did one of those classic promotion mistakes. Instead of trusting the people that had brought the success and gradually strengthening a team, the management bought a whole bunch of new players from all over the city and region, luring them in with the prospect of playing A, top division, and B, illegally paying them. Schwaben, the club president, had taken out a mortgage on a security policy of 12 to 13,000 Reichsmark, a lot of money back in the days, and invested it into new players. Unfortunately, these new players were likely mercenaries, and they weren't really interested or capable of playing well together. So after the initial euphoria of promotion, Borussia Dortmund now found itself at the bottom of the league for the whole year with a bunch of mercenaries that didn't care much for the club and played like crap. So as a result, the attendance bottomed and the new Borussia Sportplatz was largely abandoned. And at the end of this malaise, Borussia Dortmund lost a do-or-die game at the end of the season to stay in the league in overtime and got relegated again. The only difference, they had lost the players that cared the year before and now were thousands of Reichsmarkt in debt. And the break was quite severe. Borussia Dortmund wouldn't return to the promised land until the 1930s. And worse yet, the financial turmoil came to light, at least within the club. Because if the FA would have known that the club had 
paid players under the table, it would have likely lost its license. Schwab and Kowa tried to sweep the issues under the rug, but could not get re-elected in 1927 on the annual meeting. A district court actually ordered to repeat the election of the board in 1928, and the financial difficulties were about to pop off. It was clear that the financials of the club were problematic, and it also became clear that something fishy had led to it. So before things got worse, Schwaben and the board stepped down and handed over the reins to August Busse. Remember August Busse, the good man that brought the black and yellow to Dortmund from Britannica, the brash person? Yes, he was taken over the reins at Borussia Dortmund. But it wasn't like Heinz Schwaben didn't care. And before he left the stage for good, he personally went to the courthouse, paid the 12 or 13,000 Reichsmark out of his private pocket to get the club out of the line of fire. Because how serious these offenses were became apparent only years later when the German FA banned Schalke as a club completely from soccer for violations that were much, much minor in regards to breaching amateur statutes. On the pitch, Borussia Dortmund had to readjust. First of all, get rid of the mercenaries and then form a new team around young and hungry local boys. Well, appealing to youth and passion for the club sounds all too familiar, doesn't it? And there were a couple of promising young lads. One of them was August Lenz. He had already joined Borussia Dortmund as a young boy and played for them in their student team. And he would go on to become Borussia Dortmund's first German national team player and lead Borussia Dortmund back into the top flight as a feared forward. Alas, for now, he was still a teenager who played goalie for a club that was hardly top five in its own city, let alone first division material. The 1920s sure had some up and downs in store for Borussia Dortmund, but most importantly, the club had survived and now had a permanent home in the infrastructure to improve and grow. Thank you for tuning in to Believe in Borussia, presented by Bet Online. If you liked the episode and want to know how it continues in 1930, tune in for our next episode. Don't forget to subscribe and hit that little mark and check button so you don't miss another episode. And until then, a black and yellow shout out across America. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.